Jesus' name, we pray. Our Father, our God, we invite you afresh into our lives, into our nations, and we pray for your mercy. And we pray that your word will have roots in our nations, in our hearts, in the hearts of our youths, O oh God, in the hearts of every man and woman, that evil will not prevail over any life and over any nations or communities. In the name of Jesus Christ, thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us be seated. Hallelujah. Give a clap of you to God Almighty. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't know if this microphone loud enough or it's me that is okay, good. We'll use it. Amen. The first service was a message on recognize Christ. And I think uh, it means then that the Holy Spirit wanted us to talk about almost the same thing. Because the same message was what I have already gone through and I have on my uh, scripts here. And when the message was going, I said, glory be to God. Uh, Christ wants us to talk about this today. And the message we want to listen to for the second service is invite Christ. So recognize Christ and then invite Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. It means then that God wants to talk to us about Christ in a different way today. So he needs us to recognize Christ afresh and then invite him afresh. There's one old song that we used to sing. Some of those old time songs seems to be disappearing, making us feel that we are getting older now. Amen. And the song says, Into my heart Into my heart Call me to my heart Lord Jesus Call me an invitation and another young man I think from uh, one of the countries in Africa Nigeria sang this song a powerful invitation as well and he said I put you in front in front of my destiny you are all that You are all that matters. I'll make room for two. As you and I, Jesus, you are all that matters. You are all that matters. That's 
an invitation. Our text is taken from the book of John, chapter 1, verse 43 to 50, and then John, chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. I'll read for our time. John, chapter 1, verse 43 to 50, and then John, chapter 2, from verse 1 to 11. The day following Jesus go forth, sorry, the following day Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and said unto him, follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him, we have found in him of whom Moses in the Lord and the prophet did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no God. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Verse 49. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree. Believe it thou, thou shalt see greater things than these. Amen. And we'll go to John chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. That's another invitation. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto them, unto him, they have no wine. Jesus said unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. His mother said unto the servants, whatsoever he said unto, do, unto you, do it. And there was set there six waters of stones after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three fine kings apiece. Or apiece. Jesus said unto them, Fill the waters, water pot with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now. And bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not when it was, but the servants who drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and said to him, Every man at the beginning do set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then they which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. 
this beginning of miracle bid Jesus in Cana of in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed him. Amen. We are going through two Psalms and then the scripture about divinity Christ. The first service we talked about recognizing Christ. This time we want to talk about inviting Christ. As we all know, at every stage and point of life, things happen. Activities happen, good or bad. They do happen. But as they happen, you have people with you. You have different categories of individuals with you. And so it was that this young man in Cana, in Cana of Galilee had a situation of life. It was time for him to get married. I don't know, maybe he was the first person to get married after Christ as Jesus was come of age. I don't know. But at least the scripture said, this man invited Jesus' mother and then invited Jesus himself and then invited Jesus' disciples. Everybody knew that Christ, Jesus, when he was on earth, wasn't particularly financially rich to be invited for any giving of gift or things like that. It was like someone preaching and delivering messages about kingdom, kingdom that people were not familiar with. But this man said, I have to invite Christ in. So we have different situations of life. And we can, now, how do you know who to invite? It is a portrayal of who you think about or who you have regard for. You don't invite people you have no idea about or you don't regard or you don't think about. If you are doing birthday, oh, it's going to be a quiet birthday just in my house. You invite few people, I'm sure that you will. your wife or your children will be there. Because you know them. You always recognize them. You will know them. Even if you don't want anybody to come. So also it is. Anything you are doing. Whether you invite Christ or not. Is a significant point raising that you are recognizing or you don't recognize him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now why do we need to invite Christ. I'm going to just talk about two. There are so many reasons. If I call the preachers from uh, here, there are so many reasons. And many of us, Bible scholars, and hopefully so. Amen. Why do we need to always invite and involve Christ? One, because he leaves us with that choice. It's you that will determine the way you want to invite him or not. Jesus Christ is not a gate crasher. He's not going to force in himself on any of anyone, anyone. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is why we need to intentionally invite Christ ourselves. Why? 
Because Christ is not a gate crasher, he is not going to force himself into one's life or into one's situation, except you open up to him. Why is this so? Because that's where faith comes from. And, if he, and even the scripture says, he could not do much in his hometown, even when he was there. Why? Because there was no faith. Not the carpenter's sons. So, Christ does not operate like that. He does not, he's not a gate crasher. He doesn't force himself on individuals that don't want him or do not recognize him or that did not invite him. He said, I knock at the door. If you open, I will come in. Knocking at the door means I'm waiting. I'm hoping. I'm wishing. I am wanting you to know and recognize me in every situation that I'm always available. That's why he's hanging around at the door. But he's not going to break crash. He's not going to force the door open and say, I have to come in. What are you doing? He's like, no, you are not a robot. The scripture said he made us in his own image. So we are not, he didn't make robots. If he made robots, he would press, he'll be pressing things to move us around. He'll go this way, no, go this way. So he didn't make it like that. So he stands at the door. Why? To let us know that he's always waiting. He's always hoping. He is wishing. And he's looking forward to. And he's looking that you will invite him in whatever activity, in your celebrations, in your grounding, in your crying, in your promotion. He's hoping that you will invite him. That's why he's standing by the door. But what we are witnessing today doesn't so, seem like so many are opening the doors anymore for Christ to come. We'll get there. In Jesus' name. Amen. Another reason, I said I was going to talk about two reasons, is for our safety and our sanity and our salvation. That's why we need to invite Christ. How? Now, as I said, there are so many situations of life but when we invite Christ in, it's for our safety. It's for our sanity, peace. And it's for our salvation. When we are in any situation with the guarantee that Christ is in it, because we invited him, we are sure of safe landing. Not a political safe landing, but safe landing. How do I mean? Now, in Mark 4, 37 to 38. Mark 4, 37 to 38. Jesus Christ was in the boat with his disciples. And the wind knew that. The sea was aware that the maker of heaven and earth was right in the boat. But what did the wind do? He still went ahead and blew. To blow away the creator and the maker of life. So who are you to be in a situation that you said that nothing should happen, no evil, no bad stuff should shake him. But the important thing was, Christ was in the boat. Can you imagine the boat sinking with Christ? Drowned? How possible is that? The wind know that it's not possible for Jesus in the boat to get drowned. Yet, he came. 
the wind came and blew and then shook. Of course, the disciple knew that it was going to be a problem. And then they wake him up. He was sleeping anyway. He was sleeping because he knew nothing will happen. He can't get drowned. I don't mean that he cannot fall into the water. He will fall and do whatever it is, but he's not going to get drowned. Ask Jonah. He will tell you. There will be always a safe landing. Because Christ in the boat, we can smile at the wind. We can smile at the storm. At the, at the storm. Ask Jonah. He will tell you how God can, and that's why the scripture says, he make all things work together for our good. Today that are you. Jonah was sent on an errand to a land. We know the story also, I hope some of us do. And then he didn't want to go. And then the ship where he was after so much coincided and aware, they say he was the, 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 the problem. That's why the wind was shaking the boat and was going to coincide. And so they, he opted to be thrown into the sea. But God was with him. He had a safe landing, a smooth ride. How big can that ride be? Swimming in the, in the, in the, in the, in the tummy of uh, a whale, a mighty. Uh, so you see what I mean by safe landing. In any situation, God has a way of creating a safe landing. And so it is for our safety. It is for our sanity. Because he said in John 14, 27, Peace I live with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the word giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can imagine the word now. I have swayed away. Things of negative are becoming celebrated. I, I do chat with my children sometimes. I even discovered that they now use, I don't know if you have noticed it. The world now prefers to use negative words to praise a good thing. Somebody said, that was a terribly great gift. Very confusing. <laughs> They now prefer to praise a good thing and, and describe a good thing with the negative. I was in a class and they said, uh, uh, they were talking about the good, how that technology is changing things. And they use the word, uh, not obstruct, destruct. I knew what they were saying, but I raised my hand in the class. I said, excuse me, why is, are we using uh, destructive or is it a bad thing? Is it destroying things? Say no. It's uh, why are we deciding to be using negative things to describe good things? He's telling us the extent to which negativity is getting celebrated. Yeah, that's what is going on. Even when a good thing happened, instead of saying that was great. That was marvelous. They will say that was terrible. And what it really means is that it was so great. But they say it's terrible. <laughs> Maybe you are not listening to uh, certain words. Sometimes when I'm listening to words, I pick words that people use sometimes. And that's why I say, if somebody is on the pulpit and he say amen, he really didn't mean to you sometimes to say amen. 
So listening to the words very well. Some people will be sleepy. I will say bad word now that I mean, didn't mean to say. And you say amen. Don't do that. Listen to the words before you decide to say amen or not. Amen. Praise the Lord. The extent of negativity is so strong. Um, nobody really thinks there's anything bad there. We were talking about uh, the issue of the shooting in the U.S. was going on. And at the same time, a few days later, the celebration of God's things was still being celebrated. Conferences are still being held. Negativity, get the standards of things that kept the nations together, even nations that, that recognized and invited Christ in the foundations building of their nation, they've turned around the other way. And now they recognize things that are so, so, so negative and it's brought to the front point. If the nation will just recognize Christ and let them enjoy and say that peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. For our time, we'll just quickly, oh, praise the Lord. Now, how do we invite him? In the marriage in Cana and Galilee, Christ was physically here, so it was easy. Say, Christ, please come, join us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Disciples follow. Yeah, we'll come too. And then they came and sat. But now, he's not here. I mean, at least physically. How do we now invite him? One, commune with him by thinking about him. And I said, you only invite people you think about, you, you want to have regard for. You don't think about Christ much if you don't really have regard for him. You don't ponder upon him. You don't meditate on him. You don't sit down and... So, sit down sometimes. Even when you're not praying, just think about Christ. You're communing with him. Because it's not physically here. You're communing with him. Five minutes, ten minutes. No wonder the scripture say, pray without ceasing. The scripture is not saying every time, drop everything and then go and hide one place and be. Because if you do like that every time, then when are you going to do all that stuff? Because the scripture also says, he that does not walk, ought not to eat. So when are you going to walk? So he's not saying that you are not going to. So that's what praying without ceasing means. Commune with him. Think about him. Meditate upon his word. Tell him all. Anything you want to tell him. As a reverend. How do you feel that for those of us that have younger ones living with us? Either as a child or you are a guide or whatever. When a child comes to you and starts to explain to you things that went the, during the day and, and quietly sit down and communicate with you that, oh no, I um, were this like that today. I thank you for, you know, the other day you picked me up at school. Thank you the other day you arranged our, our room and things like that. How do you feel? Why don't we do that same thing to God, to Jesus? Sit down sometimes. Think about him. Even when you're not sitting down, you're going about your things. Just ponder about him. Think about him. Praise him in your own way, in from your mind. The first uh, message was talking about when recognizing Christ. He said, we tend to focus so much on our prayer point. If they are waited, 95% will be that what we want, uh, breakthroughs, successes in um, 
business and promotions and good grades at school, that will form over 95%. And the other ones are just have a mercy, O Lord, and then uh, give me the grace. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So commune with him. Be excited to talk about him anytime. Somebody you are inviting, somebody who you are passionate with, somebody who you have great regard for, be free to talk, to talk about him anytime you are. That's a way to indicate to him that you are inviting him, that you are really loving him. And three, and we'll stop here for our time. Desire and hunger after righteousness. Matthew 5. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen. Let's be on our feet as we pray. And let us pray one or two prayer points. Say, Father, the world is drifting away from Christ. And yet he is the peace of peace. And yet we want peace. Lord, help us. Help us as individuals. Help us as a nation to recognize Christ. Every great value that has been a nation that has been thrown aside. Lord, restore them back. Let Christ be restored into our nation. Let it be restored into our politicking of our countries. Let it be restored into the hearts of our leaders. Let us begin to bring the recognition of Christ into our nations. In the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that we desire the priest of peace. We cannot drift away from the priest of peace and expect peace in our nations. Help us, O oh Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And as we have come, O oh Lord, like Mantania, Father, we pray that we shall see greater things of you. In the name of Jesus. We have come to stay. Lord, we shall not fall. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord.